Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad you are here at The Rock of Gainesville today. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're here with us there also. Uh, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne are out today. Pastor George is still kind of healing up a little bit. That uh, hip is getting better and better and better, and he's doing better, but uh, not quite ready to rock and roll yet. So here I am. <laughs> and and glad, glad to be here. And thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the opportunity to share the words. You could tell my TV disappeared. Uh, had a little bit of technical difficulty. Sorry about that but it's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, again, guys, just continue to pray for our friends in South Florida. It's just such a devastating event. I've talked to so many people down there, and uh, it's just really, really been uh, a challenge for them. But we just know that God is faithful, and God is good, and He's going to do what uh, God, only God can do, right? Yes. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to talk about today. Now, as I get into this information here today, I, I don't, I'm not sure where all this is. But nonetheless, I'm okay with it. I got my notes right here. So, you know, I'm all right. So. As I get into the topic today, I want to kind of make a disclaimer. Is that okay? Now, here, here Pastor on. my disclaimer is this. I am probably the most qualified person in the world to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Kind of bold, ain't you there, Hyatt? Because those of you that know me, you know how laid back I am, how easygoing I am, how patient I am, how non-anxious I am. And so it is not a problem at all for me to talk about patience and waiting on God. Now, before I go any further, let me go ahead and repent to you because you know me well enough to know that I am the least qualified person in this room to be talking about this. Hey, come on, give it up for Pastor Nathan, come on. You got it, you good, All right. Appreciate you. I, uh, I, I can only imagine when I say I am the most qualified person in the room to talk about waiting on God, I can only imagine what Pastor George and Pastor Tad and Tom are thinking right now, guys, you really do need to repent for your thoughts. Because as I said, I'm just, I'm the least qualified to talk about this. I'm not good at this. How about you? I'm not good at this. Now, before you go get all high and mighty and righteous on me, just remember, I have been behind you in the lines at Publix, in the express line, when somebody in front of you had 11 items. I, I heard what you said. I was around the corner. You didn't know I was there. But I heard and watched how you acted with that person in front of you. So before you start throwing stones at Pastor Ron, just remember there's two sides to every story. Now, I, I'm not afraid to admit everybody in this room is banned from riding down Newberry Road with me in my truck. You're not allowed. 
Only Pastor Tad and my wife are the only people allowed in my truck because inevitably I'm going to go down Newberry Road and Granny Clampett, who has no right to be in front of me, is going to be there. And I'm going to say things that pastors really should not say. Now again, before you go get all high and mighty on me, just relax. There's two sides to every story. I tell Barbara all the time, I've got plenty of patience. I just don't have time to execute it. I got all kinds of patience. I just don't have time to mess with that stuff. No way. So, now, I, I, I thought I had her a couple of weeks ago. We're out on a Sunday drive in my truck and we're driving through the country and uh, all of a sudden, Brad Paisley's song comes on, Waiting on a Woman. I got her. I got her. I said, you need to listen to this. And she sat there quiet and, quietly and listened to it. And when it was all said and done, it was over, she said this, as if we have never waited on you. Did you say that's pathetic? Yeah, that's your... Oh, you said it was prophetic. I thought you said that's pathetic. And I said, hey, you've never waited on me. I'm military. I grew up military. If you're 10 minutes early, you're 20 minutes late. You've never waited on me. She said, how about just a couple of weeks ago when you were hunting and you were gone the entire day? And I said, that doesn't count. Because you see, I'm in nature in a deer stand. I'm in the beauty of nature and I'm praying and meditating. Open mouth, insert foot. Just didn't work. But I'm not good at this, guys. I'm not good at this. And, but I've been living this for the past six months. I've been trying to walk this out well. I've been trying to walk this out good for the past six months. And I've just got to be honest with you, I'm not good at it. But I have understood and I've learned this, that God wants to do something in the waiting process that is so valuable. And here's one of the lessons I have learned. I have learned the benefit of the waiting process. Here it is. I have learned through personal experience, God is not wanting to do something for me as much as He's wanting to do something through me. Now understand something, that doing for me, that process of doing for me is, I wouldn't say not as challenging as the through me, but it can be instantaneous. I mean, God has the ability to do something for me with the snap of his fingers. But if he's going to do something through me, there's going to be a journey involved. There's going to be a process involved. There's going to be a walk involved. And, that, and as that takes place, I'm not sitting back in my recliner saying, oh, God, do your wonderful work. No, there's activity. There's faith. There's obedience. There's hearing. There's listening. There's walking out. There's activity involved. Why? Because he's not just doing something for me as valuable as that is. He's doing something through me to change my life forever. Come on, somebody. Not to change me for a moment, but to change my life forever. So there's activity involved. There's, there's two words in Psalm 37 
that I want to show you that will kind of set the foundation for what we're going to talk about today. Because I said, I've been walking this out for about six months, so I'm going to preach to myself and hope that you get something out of it. But as I've read Psalm 37 about a hundred times, there's two words that jump out at me like you couldn't believe. Psalm 37 verse 9 says this, for those who are evil will be destroyed. Watch this now. But those who hope, everybody say hope. I'll say it like you mean it. Those who hope in the Lord will what? Will inherit the land. That word hope, and then there's another word I'll show you in just a minute. They're basically the same word in English, but they have a different Hebrew meaning. And that word hope there literally means this. It means great anticipation, earnest expectation. There's something that's about to take place. Hasn't taken place yet, but there's something that's about to take place. And so I am anticipating it. I am expecting it to happen earnestly, a burning, a fervor that I can't wait to see what God is going to do. And when that comes about, what happens? You and I inherit the land. Come on and say, thank you, Jesus. We inherit the land. There is that, that fervor that takes place, an anticipation. Do you remember when you were a kid at Christmas? Come on, wave at me. You remember when you were a kid at Christmas? How many of you are like me? You're getting that age where it's hard to remember when you were a kid. Now you want me to remember a specific incident. Come on now. You were, you were a, a child at Christmas and you were waiting for the, the next morning. You went to bed Christmas Eve and you were waiting for the next morning to take place because you knew the next morning you were going to get that Christmas gift. And so you acted like you were a, uh, ready to go to sleep or you acted like you were asleep. But you got up, what, 10 million times acting like you had to go to the bathroom. What you were really doing was looking down the hall or looking down the stairs or trying to find out if mom and dad were in the bed because what? You were earnestly expecting to inherit that Christmas gift. There was a fervor, a burning excitement that was it within you. Let me illustrate it to you this way. How many of you have ever walked into a room and it's kind of crowded and someone important walks into the room and you want to hear what they have to say? And everybody's talking and everybody's making noise and you're going, shh, shh, be quiet. I, I, I want to hear what he or she has to say. Be quiet. And you kind of lean in a little bit. You kind of lean in and, hey, listen, how many of you are old enough to remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people, exactly. So you kind of lean, lean in because you want to hear what's going to take place or what's going to be said. That's exactly what we're talking about here. There's an earnest expectation to hear, to listen, and then do what? To obey as you walk out that obedient process. So that hope in the Lord is a great anticipation and an earnest expectation. Now go up a couple of verses, and I just gave you that. Go up a couple of verses, and in Psalm 37 verse 9, same kind of word involved here, but a different meaning. Look at this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Let's read it again. Everybody read it out loud. Come on. Be still. Stop. I'm making you wait. Let's read it one more time. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Look at this. Do not 
fret. Now, it's real interesting. As I said, the two words are kind of the same, but the word wait there has a real interesting Hebrew meaning. Listen to what it says. It means to give birth. To give birth. Now, I know that, uh, that that whole process of a pregnancy and giving birth, what is there? There is a process involved, about a nine-month process involved. And you know what? I am totally comfortable leaving that birthing process to all of you ladies. You are never going to find on my bucket list before I go see Jesus, I want to have a baby. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because I was there when Blake was born. I think I've told you this story, but I'll tell you again and add a caveat. When Blake was born, I, uh, I had been out working cows for about 24 hours. And I finally got ready to go home and I got to the house and I smelled like only you can imagine. And soon as I walked in the door, I looked at Barbara's face and I knew, whoops, it's time. So we jumped in the car and we ran down to St. Luke's Hospital and we got her admitted into the hospital. And I was trying to do everything I could to be the comforting, supporting, consoling husband. I could not keep my head up. I fell asleep about a hundred times. Just couldn't stay awake. And so I'm sitting there on the side of the bed and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, consoling and, and compassionately rubbing her arm and I'm nodding off. And about that time, I just yell, yeah, she thought I was excited. No, a contraction hit as she's holding onto my wrist and I thought she had broken my arm. But there was a process that took place and some of it was joy, some of it was excitement, some of it was pain, but it 721 on November the 27th, new life was formed. Come on, somebody. And that's what happens in your life and my life. I go through the process, and some of it is pain, some of it is hurt, some of it is joy, but what is God wanting to do? He's wanting to birth new life in you. And there's a process I've got to walk through. And so I don't just kind of, like I said, sit back on my recliner and say, oh God, you know, I'm just waiting for you to do what you're going to do. No, there's activity involved. And here's what God is wanting to do. God, write it down, God creates, sorry, I didn't get that to you again. Waiting on God creates an intense focus, write it down now, not indifferent activity. I'm just not sitting back. Barbara didn't sit back in that hospital bed and say, oh, I think one day I'm going to have a baby. Didn't happen that way, did it? No, there was intense focus. Why? Because new life was about to be born. Again, not sitting back in the recliner saying, well, maybe one day it'll work out. No, there was intense. Everybody say intense. Intense focus on what God wants to do, not indifferent activity. And so there's, there's really cool activity that's taking place. And you know what, guys? Sometimes in that process of activity, sometimes I'm doing what I can. I'm doing my best. And sometimes I do really, really well. And sometimes I don't do that much. It really doesn't matter. Because here's what God does. Well, through all of my efforts, here's what's taking place. God is looking for my feeble efforts. Big efforts, small efforts doesn't really matter because he's looking for my feeble efforts. Why? So that he can breathe upon them and create the supernatural. 
Sometimes my efforts are going to be really, really big. Sometimes they're going to be really, really small. Sometimes they're going to be really challenging. Sometimes I'm really in the, the role and I'm doing pretty good. Doesn't matter, guys, because God, all He's looking for in the waiting process is for me to just do my best. Come on, say it out loud. Do my best. I just want to do my best. Whatever my best looks like, whatever your best looks like, just do your best. Why? Because that gives God the opportunity to breathe upon it and create the supernatural. Let me give you a verse that's become a real favorite verse to me over the past six months. I don't know that I've ever read this verse until just a few months ago. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I'm not really sure, but I've grown to love this verse. Look at what it says. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Come on now. The horse, that's me, that's you. We're made ready for battle. And what does that mean? We're, we're, we're trained, we're groomed, we're saddled, we're bridled, we're ready to go, but victory rests with the Lord. So I do what I'm supposed to do, but as I do that, I know that I'm going to go fight the battle, but victory rests with God Almighty. Hey, there's a guy, I guess you'd say an evangelist pastor in the United Kingdom years ago, George Mueller, and he was really well known for orphanages that he had in the UK. And one day he was in prayer, and while he was in prayer, God spoke to him, build another orphanage. And Mueller sat there and said, how am I going to do that? I don't have any funds. I don't have any ability to get funds. How is that going to take place? And he did what you and I do a lot of times. What do we do? We debate with God. How many of you know God's going to win the debate? Come on, somebody. He's going to win the debate, but we debate with God. And God won the debate. And George Mueller walked out of his place of prayer and said, okay, God, I will do what you've called me to do. And he walked out. Listen to this. I love this. As he walked out of the place of prayer, a little girl who had no idea what he was praying for walked up to him and handed him a penny and said, this is for the next orphanage. This is for the next orphanage. And Mueller looked at that penny and he held it up to God and said, okay, God, I will do what you have called me to do. See, here's the cool part, guys. As I'm walking through the waiting process, my God is not going to let us down. He's going to give us confirmations. He's going to give us encouragement. He's going to give us words. He's going to give us direction. And you know what? Sometimes that direction is a dollar-sized direction. Sometimes it's a penny-sized direction. It doesn't matter because when I am biblically waiting on God, the size of the confirmation doesn't matter because God is leading me to the next steps of the process and ultimately leading us to victory. Mm. Let's just give Jesus a praise offering. Come on, somebody. Now, what we've talked about is the, the, uh, the focus of the waiting process. We're going to talk a little bit about the challenge of the waiting process along with the intense focus of the process. And in order to do that, I'm going to use two guys that are Old Testament prophets that we're all familiar with, Elijah and Elisha. Man, two guys that were absolutely phenomenal in their walk with God, Elijah 
and Elisha. And here's what takes place. Elijah goes, the great prophet of God, Elijah goes to Elisha one day and says, when I go away, what do you want me to leave with you? And Elisha says, I want a double, po- <laughs> I want a double portion of everything you got. Now, when I first think about that, I think, man, you cocky little scoundrel, who do you think you are? Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to the great Elijah, the guy that chased off the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, called fire out of heaven, was fed by a raven at the brook of Kareth, got with the widow of Zarephath and created a tremendous miracle out of a little cruise of oil. Do you know who you're talking to? And Elijah said, I want twice of everything you got. And Elijah said this. Elijah said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Until I go away, I want you to never take your eyes off of me. Now, that's a pretty interesting challenge from Elijah to Elisha. Don't ever take your eyes off of me. And what did Elijah do? Elijah just went around his mountain. He just went about his business. He just kind of walked around and did his thing. You know, he went to... Can I stop for just a second? I guess that means yes. I got to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? I'm not much of a storyteller. I'm not a Pastor George. But I was thinking Elijah just kind of going about his business. And as I was saying, Elijah was going about his, de- his business. He went around different places. I was just about to say he went to Walmart. But a prophet of God who is walking in the wisdom of the Lord would never go to Walmart. But here's the reason I tell you this. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you this. This is, this, will, this, will, this is a hoot. I took my annual visit to Walmart about two weeks ago. Before I went, I did everything I was supposed to do. I deloused, I disinfected, I did everything I was supposed to do, and I went to Walmart. And I'm walking through Walmart, and I stop on an aisle, and I'm looking at something on the aisle, and there's this little guy next to me who was of the sunburned neck persuasion. It was red. And he's standing next to me. I said, that's cool, no big deal. And for some reason, at the same time, he and I both bent down to pick up an object and our hands hit the same box at the same time. And he, so I kind of stepped back and he looked at me and he said, what are you doing, cracker? And I thought to myself, son, I got socks longer than you. So I gathered my composure because truly If you'll allow me to say it deep down, I am a redneck. I don't just play the part. So I gathered my composure and I said, look, man, I'm sorry I was about to take the last box of moon pies. But the label is not cracker. The label is saltine American. Went right over his head. Went right over his head went right over his head. (laughs) 
All right, somebody help Pastor Ron out. Tell me how I got off on that. Where was I? Oh, Elijah. Elijah would not go to Walmart. But Elijah, he's doing the things that he did every day. He, he, went, to, he went to Publix. He went to Bass Pro Shop because it was deer season. He went to uh, McDonald's. He did everything, just doing the normal things that he did every day. And what was Elisha doing? In the mundane exercises of the day, he never took his eyes off of Elijah. What was Elijah doing? He is testing the young prophet of God. Elisha never even knew it. Why is that so important, Pastor Ron? Our biggest test is when we don't know we are being tested. Then there's no time to think, so our response must be a heart response. And the best test, I don't realize I'm being tested. I don't have time to think. I don't have time to prepare myself. I don't have time to get my act together. I've got to respond out of my heart and let God do in me what God desires to do. It's the biggest test we could go through. And so Elisha is not taking his eyes off of the prophet of God. He's just walking through the, the test that the prophet has placed in front of him and God has placed in front of him, and he would not let Elijah out of his sight. Why is that? Because the double portion is demanding. Come on, somebody. The inheriting of the land is demanding. The prize is demanding. There's a process, but there's a prize. There's a route, but there's a reward. And it's a demanding process, and I cannot afford to fail. Why? Do people fail? Well, yeah. Sometimes we do, but how many of you are like Pastor Ron and you thank God that God's a God of redemption? He redeems the process. But, but in reality, I don't want to fail. I can't afford to fail. I, here, I threw a point in that I hope you hear my heart, okay? Here, here where Pastor Ron is, com- is coming from. When I say I can't afford to fail, here's why. The farther I go with God, the more casualties I cause by my failure. I don't, I don't want to fail. I want, listen to me now, I want everybody that comes behind me to find me faithful, not a failure. I can't, I can't afford to fail. Why? Because there's a process, but there's a prize. I want to get to that inheriting of the land. I can't afford to fail. It's demanding, but I'm going to stay in the process. I'm going to stay obedient. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to let God do in me what He desires to do. Can you imagine the biblical history that would have been rewritten had Elisha failed? Think about that for just a second. But he didn't fail. He kept his eyes on Elijah, and then all of a sudden, out of heaven comes a chariot a fire. And the Bible says it went between Elijah and Elisha, but he kept his eyes intensely focused on the prophets of God. Now, come on. Come on, be real with Pastor Ron. You're standing there trying to watch the prophet of God, and a chariot of fire comes out of heaven. Do you might think a little bit that you want to just glance? The Bible says it came in between them. And he kept his eyes on the prophet of God. Hey, I'm driving down the road. I look, if I, I look because I just saw a good-looking truck. Oscar pulls in in his, in his Corvette. I look at the Corvette. I just kind of got a, got a glance. Do you think he would have been a little tempted to glance? No, he kept his eyes 
on the prophet of God. The Bible says that Elisha, as, as Elijah was being taken up, he said, my father, my father, and the cloak of the double portion fell upon him. Why? Intense focus, not indifferent activity. Intense focus, not indifferent activity. Now, how many of you will just go ahead and agree with me that preaches a whole lot easier than it walks? Right? It preaches a whole lot easier than it walks. So how am I supposed to do that, Pastor Ron? How does that take place? One scripture will save your life. Here it is, Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or your eyes are single, then your whole body is full of light. I'm not walking around just kind of casual, ho-hum, no. I am intensely focused on the process, no distractions, nothing taken away from what is rightfully mine, and ultimately you and I do what? We inherit the land. Come on, somebody. Okay, so we've talked about the hope of the process, those that wait patiently. We've talked about the challenge of the process. Let me give you the how of the process. And again, this preaches a lot easier than it walks, but I got to give it to you or I'm going to leave you hanging. The how of the process. What do I need to do to stay in the process? When there's distractions, when there's challenges, when there's hurt, when there's pain, I'm waiting for new life to be born, but there's pain. What do I do? How do I do it, Pastor On, to stay in the process? I'm going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. King Jehoshaphat is leading. He was a good king too. He's leading the nation of Israel. And as he is leading the nation of Israel, an army comes against him that's three times the size of the Israel army. And so he's thinking, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm here with these warriors. Yes, there's a process I got to walk through. And then we're going to fight a battle, an army that's three times the size of our little army. How am I going to do this? Second Chronicles chapter 20, let's read it together. Here we go. After this, the Moabites, I, I confused myself, so don't worry. I was reaching for coffee and you guys started reading, but it sounded really good. Ready? Read. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Tamar, that is in Gedai. Alarmed. Oh, say it out loud. Alarm. Say it one more time. Alarm, Jehoshaphat. Resolved. He would, oh, say it out loud. Say it one more time. Let's go back. Why do I love that? Jehoshaphat was alarmed. We're looking at real emotions. We're not faking emotions and everything is going to be great. Name it, claim it, frame it. No, real emotions that are saying, I've got an army coming against me and I am alarmed, but in my alarming, I am resolved to inquire of the Lord. Man, I love that, guys. Come on. I'm going through the process. I'm walking out things with God. It's getting tough. 
It's getting hard. I'm getting stressed. I don't know what this week is going to bring. I'm having a hard time believing for good. I'm worried about it. But there's a resolution in me that God's going to come through. There's a, oh, yeah, you missed a good place to shout. I'm, I'm worried. I'm anxious. Those are real emotions, are they not? But I'm resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, alarmed and resolved. Now look at this. Jehoshaphat goes to prayer, and he goes to prayer alarmed. He goes to prayer worried, but he comes out resolved. He comes out with a restitution that all this is going to work out. How did he not go to prayer? He didn't go to prayer complaining. God, why are you doing this to us? Why are we facing this? Why is this getting so bad? Now, he went into prayer alarmed. He came out resolved, not complaining, but changed by the presence of God. Get this principle right here. It'll change your life. When I go to God in prayer, if I leave the way I came, I wasn't praying, I was complaining. Jehoshaphat didn't go to prayer and complain. He went, he went to prayer alarmed. He went to prayer nervous. He went to prayer anxious. Come on, somebody. But he came out changed by the presence of God. And if I go into prayer, or I rather I leave prayer the way I came in, I wasn't praying, I was complaining. But when I get in tune with God, a transformation of the heart takes place. Guys, I'm going to go through the process. And as I said, sometimes that process is going to stretch the mess out of me. It's been stretching the mess out of me for six months. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not quitting. I'm going to do my best to not complain, but I want to make sure that I come out transformed by the power of God. I want to make sure that happens. So first thing I do is I recognize I, I may be alarmed, I may be worried, I may be anxious, but I'm going to God in prayer with a resolution that God's going to change my world. I want to give you another scripture. Now, when I first read this scripture to you, you're probably going to look at it and say, well, what's the big deal about that? You're going to look at it and say, well, ho-hum. You know, that's, that's, that's not a real exciting scripture as other parts of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 are. Well, I put this next scripture in here for a reason. Here it is. All of the men of Judah, this is verse 13 of chapter 20. All of the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones stood there before the Lord. And everybody said, so what? <laughs> Not a big deal, is it? In its natural writing doesn't seem like a big deal, does it? Come on. All the men of Judah stood there with their wives and their children and their babies, and they stood there before the Lord. Sounds almost, if, I, if you'll allow Pastor Ron to say it, sounds almost a little boring, doesn't it? Nah, it'll change your life because here's what you got to get. Sometimes waiting has to happen in the context of family. Guys, I, 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 can't, I can't wait on God by myself. I can't wait by myself. I can't walk through a waiting process by myself. I, I, I've got to be able to walk through the waiting process 
with knowing that the family of God is walking through this process with me. I'm walking through this process, not by myself. And listen to me, if there, come on here, Pastor Ron, if there is ever a day that we need to kill a spirit of isolation, it is today. That idea of I am the master of my ship, I am the captain of my fate, that whole concept needs to be eradicated. I can't make it without you. Can't make it without you. I'm going to walk through the process and I'm not going to do it by myself. It's got to happen in the context of family. You want to know why? Because sometimes as I'm walking out this process, I need you. And you know what's beautiful, guys? I've... I've walked out this process for about six months and you've been there. And there are times you've been there and you don't even know you're there. <laughs> because that's how the body of Christ operates. That's how the body of Christ walks. And I've been in situations to where, man, I'm ready to throw in the towel. And one of you come up and don't even realize it and say, don't give up, Hyatt. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. And I need you to say that. You know what else I need? Sometimes I need you to come up to me and say, Hyatt, don't be a knucklehead. Say it in grace. Say it with grace. But I need you to be able to say something like that. Why? Because this walking out process is long. This waiting process is tiring. This waiting process is challenging. Sometimes, here Pastor Ron, the waiting process is boring. There's nothing happening. It's boring. How many times have you waited on something with your kids and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, this is so boring. Sometimes we need to tell our children, I'm not here for your entertainment, I'm here for your destiny. Come on. Now, our kids get bored. I'm not beating up on them. Have you ever been to Disney World? Is that a stupid question in Gainesville, Florida? All you got to do is be in Disney World for five minutes, and you're going to hear that come out of one of those kids' mouths. I'm so bored. I'm so bored. They're walking around in the wonder of the Magic Kingdom, and I'm so bored. I'm so bored. We went to... uh, we went to Disney World a few years back. I don't remember when it was. I think we were celebrating one of the boys' birthday. I think it was Levi. And so we went to Disney World and we're walking in Pirates of the Caribbean. And we're going through the cow lines. And there's a family in front of us who had like five kids. And one of them, bless his heart, he had visitors. That's a nice way to say I was worried about it. And they're going through the line and, and every, every 30 seconds, I'm so bored, I wanna get on the boat. I wanna see the Pirates of the Caribbean. I wanna see that guy, Jack, whatever his name is. I wanna go to the, I wanna go to the Pirates. I want one of those churros. No, that was me, sorry. <laughs> and you know what mom did? Mom, does, mom did what all of us do. She grabbed him by the arm and she said, if you don't 
be quiet. We're going to go get in the car. And I came this close of saying, no, you're not. Don't lie to that little fella. He already has enough visitors as it is. No, you're not. You and Homer saved for a year to come here from Topeka, Kansas. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And you know what? There are times, guys, that I'm going through the process. I need you to tell me the same thing. You're not going anywhere. Don't give up. Hang in there. Don't throw in the towel. God is not here for your entertainment. He's here for your destiny. And sometimes that's only going to happen in the context of family. Last scripture, I got to wrap up. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. So, alarmed but resolute, walking through the process in the context of family. Number three, here we go, read it out loud. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours, but God's. Come on, give Jesus praise. Battle's not yours. The horse is made ready for battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to take up this battle, take up your positions and stand firm. Two phrases here you gotta get, you gotta get. Here's the first one, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord that he will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Second phrase, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Now go out, stand firm, then go out. Stand firm, then go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Two phrases you gotta get guys if you're gonna walk through the process of waiting on God. Stand firm, some translations say stand still. Stand still. Just, just stand still. Stand firm, stand still means the same thing. Why is that so important? Here we go. Stand firm is this. Standing still allows me to adjust my perspective. Can you imagine what Jehoshaphat would have bumped into? If he'd have found out this mighty army was coming against him and he just said, come on boys, we got an army coming against us. Let's go get them. No planning, no preparation no sensitivity, no leading, just being a big crazy man. Let's go get them, guys. Can you imagine the devastation that would have taken place? It's not what Jehoshaphat did. He stood firm and adjusted his perspective. Jesus did the same thing to the disciples in John chapter four. Here's what Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look into the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look into the harvest. Kind of hard to think about doing at the same time, right? Lift up your eyes and look at the harvest. What is Jesus saying? I look to God first and the perspective of culture changes. I look to God first and the perspective of my problem changes. Stand still and let your perspective get changed by God's power. And then number two, then go out. I stand firm, I stand still, I'm rooted and I'm grounded in God's love, then 
I go out. And when I go out, I now go out under the intense focus, not in different activity. Well, I've let God change my perspective. My perspective was fear. My perspective was anxiety. My perspective was worry. My, when my perspective was, is, come on now, is this process ever going to end? I stand still and I let God speak and I get let God lead. Now I'm not under indifferent activity. I'm under intense focus. And no matter what comes against me, come on now, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You'll walk into the process of inheriting the land. Stand with me. Father, I just bless the people of God this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are able to go through the process. And we can go through the process with confidence. We can go through the process knowing, God, that you are going to help us walk through that process. Is it going to get challenging? Yeah, it's going to get challenging. Is it going to get hard? Yeah, it's going to get hard. Is there going to be pain? Yeah, going to be pain. But I can still be diligent to walk through the process and experience what God wants me to experience. And so, Father, we understand that waiting on God is going to stretch us. Waiting on you is going to stretch us. But there is a race, but there's also a reward. There is a path, but there's also a prize. And we're going to walk through that process to engage with your presence and experience what you have for us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Nobody's looking around for just a second. I think I would just fail you if I didn't give you a chance to be able to come to an understanding of God's saving power today. And nobody's looking around just for a second. You're here today and say, Pastor Ron, I'm going through that process of life, but I'm doing it without Jesus. I'm doing it on my own. I am that guy that you talked about a moment ago that isolated, doing my own thing, captain of my ship, master of my own fate. I, I am that guy or that lady. And I've been doing this on my own, going through a process of life on my own. And in doing so, just been challenged and challenged and challenged and challenged. And I feel all kinds of feelings that just aren't getting me where I need to be. Feelings of failure, feelings of hurt, feelings of pain, like you talked about a moment ago. I'm feeling all those kind of things. I want to quit that process of isolation and walk through the process of life with Jesus. Don't know the Lord. Maybe you, you knew Jesus and you walked away from him. Don't know God, but I'm giving you an opportunity to change that path of your life today and say, Pastor Ron, I want my process of life not to be done by myself, but to be done with Jesus. Would you please pray for me? I want to take Jesus as my Lord, accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Would you please pray for me? Put your hand up right where you are right now. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, give Jesus praise. God touching people's lives. Yes, yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, here's what I want to do. We're going to all pray together. We're going to all pray out loud together. So simple and so beautiful of how Jesus made it. Here's what the Bible says. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, that Jesus died and rose again, and you shall be saved. Couldn't get any easier, guys. Couldn't get any easier. 
And everybody in this room is gonna pray together and we're gonna support you as we pray. So everybody out loud pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I make a declaration. I'm tired of doing this by myself. I wanna do this with the power of God that's given to me through salvation. Jesus, I declare right now, I've been a sinner. I've been in control of my own life. I wanna change that right now. And I wanna turn my life over to the Lord. Father, forgive me of my sins. Make all things new. Set me on a path, a process of victory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give Jesus a big praise offer. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.